2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I want to preach just a little bit, a little while. I've always wanted to do that. Uh, and just a few minutes, uh, really. It's a very brief message. I'm amazed uh, that it is this brief, so I'm stalling a little bit. Uh, but I want to preach on the gracious gift of Christmas. The gracious gift of Christmas. You know, um, yesterday I was having a little trouble uh, trying to buy Miss Connie a gift. And so I took the gift giver of all gifts, Emily. And then she said, Papa, I'll help you. And praise God, we went in Coles. And I'm going to tell you something. She filled up the buggy before we got in the door. Amen. I thought, oh, wait a minute. I love her, but I don't want to, you know, go bankrupt on this thing, Emily. <laughs> oh, no. Mimi like that. And she like that. And she, I'm telling I'm giving away. And I'm, she liked this one. She liked, I said, okay, throw them in the buggy. Amen. I'm going to take them back tomorrow. No, not really. But, uh, uh, Half of them, but uh, you know, it, she she loves giving, and I, I think missionary uh, children that don't love giving's in trouble because they give up a lot of the things uh, that uh, other teenagers get to do. She don't get to dress like other teenagers. She uh, she don't get to uh, uh, do the entertainment. A lot of entertain. Uh, she don't get to live in her own country, uh, and um, I appreciate her willingness. She went with Daddy this morning. They left at seven o'clock this morning. They go to a meeting up on the other side of Chattanooga. And boy, she's all excited about going with Daddy. Uh, so Mama could stay home and keep packing 18 duffel bags of everything they got in duffel bags. Selling their house to, to go on Camp Rhino. So all the proceeds go to Camp Rhino. Uh, Mark will be with us uh, Wednesday to share with you a great, great blessing as far as Camp Rhino is concerned. They raised over $100,000. I'll go ahead and share it. But it's going to take over a million dollars. It's going to take over a million dollars. So this is just the first part of it. And I'm proud of my son-in-law and my daughter and my grandchildren. But I said all that to say this. I had a good time letting Emily give with my money yesterday, amen? <clears throat> I mean, it was thrilling. <laughs> Coles loved it, praise God. Got 15% off and got Coles cash, hallelujah. She was all excited about that. But I want to tell you something. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That is the spirit of Christmas. And I want to tell you something, when you think about the gift of Christmas, it ought to move you to give. Not to get, but to give. And we get from God to give. It's a flowing channel of God's blessing. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God. I'll just read a couple of verses. Let me just read three. Uh, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You there? If you don't have your Bibles, you, are, you, you won't be able to keep up with this. Amen? Bring your Bibles tonight. Psalms 1, I hope. Amen? And if God's changed it, you are nervous. But anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and pray for Blaine. I'm excited for him, and, and I'm thrilled, and it's not easy preaching. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, you ought to abound in faith, in utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in all, uh, in all love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. That's the grace of giving. And speak not by, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich." You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the riches of your glory and your grace and your mercy. God, I believe it's Ephesians that talks about all the riches in Christ. 
Lord, we thank you that we have things money cannot buy. We thank you, dear God, that our gift will never wear out. It'll, uh, it's always useful. It's always just what we need. Salvation. You. Salvation coming to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to realize how gracious the gift of Christmas is and how gracious we ought to be towards others as we give as you've given to us. Lord, thank you for your grace. We can never repay you back. But God, help us be a vessel of that grace and a vessel of that love and mercy. And God, help us to realize it is more blessed to give than to receive. God, help us to be filled and overflowing with the spirit of Christmas. And that's the spirit, Holy Spirit, that gives and loves through us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, I don't believe there's a single verse that summarizes Christmas better than 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes, your sakes, He became poor, that through His poverty, uh, through, his, through His poverty, we might be rich. You know, I see three things in this verse, and I just want to preach this textual message. Jesus was rich, number one. Number two, Jesus became poor. And number three, Jesus became poor that we might be rich. You know, we have things that money cannot buy. And thank God we got things that government cannot tax. Hallelujah, right there, amen. And uh, we got things that won't get old and won't wilt away and it's guaranteed forever. And folks, it's all because of God's grace. God's unmerited favor. First, I want you to notice that Jesus was rich. Though he was rich, the first part of that verse says, he was rich because, I want to tell you, number one, uh, he's the creator of all things. His wealth is infinite. The Bible says, turn over to John chapter 1, verse 3, please. John chapter 1, verse 3, a great chapter that I'll probably be dealing with um, Wednesday night. But John chapter 1 and... And verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Say amen right there. This crazy philosophy that we evolved from some, some one-cell amiibo is, is just monkey business. Amen. God created us. Uh, we're an intri intricate creation. Uh, it's amazing how many vessels and, and our brain, most of us, uh, it's such a wonderful computer and, and our eyes and our heart that beats 80 years plus and never has to have a valve job except some of you. And, uh, 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 and, and, and the lubrication system for our bones, we don't squeak, most of us don't. And uh, uh, you know we can hear and, and we can see and we can sense and we can smell and we can taste. How many glad you can taste, say amen. Praise God, I had another banquet this week. How in the world... Can you lose weight with all these Christmas banquets? Amen. The staff of Macedonia fed all the executive boards a, a, a wonderful, wonderful banquet. Praise God. I love the gift of taste. Amen. I don't chew and I don't dip like others do, but praise God, I eat my share. Praise God. I'm telling you. Uh, amen. I, I love that I have an appetite. Amen. I'm glad I can exercise every day. Let's get up from the table and go back to the table. No. And I'm glad that uh, uh, God's given me help. And I want to tell you something. It's miraculous, your body. Amen. It's a miracle of God. God created you for His glory. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him were all things created that in heaven, that are in earth, 
visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominion or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and get this, and for him. And I like verse 17. It says, he, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You know what that word means? He holds you together, say amen. If it wasn't for God, you'd fall apart, amen? If it wasn't for God, you'd have a nervous breakdown. Some of you look like you're on the verge of it right now. And I want to tell you something, friend. Thank God for God sustaining, amen? God has got, brought some of you through some terrible, terrible things in your life, and God's blessed you. You're still married. You still have children that halfway respect God. You have uh, health and strength, and you've been through cancer, and you've been through problems and major surgeries, God has blessed you, amen? And I want to tell you, he's rich because he's over it all. He's Lord of all. He's creator of all. He's the sustainer of all. And he's the savior of all that will call upon him. Folks, he's rich. His works were, uh, were great. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 1.10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy Hands. He's rich because he's the son, number two, of the eternal father. He's heir of all things. Amen. And I'll tell you what's so exciting. We're joint heirs with him. Say amen. One day we're going to be in heaven over it all, thank God. One day we'll come back to this earth and rule and reign for a thousand years. He's rich in his creation. And folks, I want to tell you something. He's rich in that he is the heir of the eternal father. He is rich in his glory. He's the host of heaven. He's worshipped and sang to, and he continually is praised in heaven. And that's the way we ought to worship. Amen. Had a good Sunday school lesson this morning on integrity. And I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to have some integrity about Christmas. Should never lie about Christmas. I just got a conviction about that. Won't go into details. Y'all handle it the best way you can. Amen. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, that, that don't bother me a bit. I'm going to still do it. Amen. I'll prove to you tonight if Brother uh, uh, Blaine needs a little... Uh, Back up, you know, and he only preaches 30 minutes. We can't let him out just 30 minutes, brother. Spoil him, spoil him, amen. We got to keep him here 45 minutes, praise God. Amen, praise God. But anyway, uh, that Jeremiah 10 talks about Christmas trees. No, it doesn't. It talks about idol making. Let me tell you about Isaiah 61 verse 13 tonight about it saying that they had pine trees and fir trees in the tabernacle. Amen, come on now. Some people throw Christmas out the door and baby Jesus with it. Say amen. We'll, we'll show you something, amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'm sick and tired of commercialism around Christmas. I'm sick and tired of the forklow of Christmas. I'm sick and tired of things that take the place of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not pagan to remember the birth of Christ. It's pagan to put other things before the birth of Christ. Amen. Come on now. Y'all didn't expect to hear that in this beautiful little sermonette. But I want to tell you something, folks. He's rich. He's rich because he's the eternal Father's heir. He's rich because he has received and will receive glory and praise from God. That's why I think it's such an abomination and wicked to have the world's music in God's church, a world's philosophy, uh, uh, playing around with God's uh, tabernacle and having smoke coming up the ceiling and blackness in the service and spotlights on the platform and entertainment in the name of Jesus. I believe it's, I believe it's heresy. I really do. Because he deserves worship that's scriptural and worship that's humble and there's no celebrities in God's economy. It's only him that ought to be worshiped. 
Oh, this hadn't come out nice so far, praise God. But I'm going to tell you something, he deserves glory. He deserves glory. I'm going to tell you something, he's also rich in, in power and authority. In all the realms of creation, his word is the alpha and the omega of the law. Praise God, he spoke and it's in existence, amen. He speaks and he keeps you saved, amen. His word is what we base it on. Now, folks, listen, in a far greater sense, than our words can describe, he's rich. He's beyond our words of how wealthy and how rich he was and is. And how we cannot even conceive with our vain imagination, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them that love him. Amen? Folks, it's unsearchable, indescribable riches that Christ has in him. Though he was rich, number two, he became poor. He became poor. Now that's what this generation today don't want to hear. Humility, sacrifice, service. Don't give me that stuff. Let me have fun, feelings, and just a fling with Jesus. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jesus child. No, folks, I want to tell you what you are. You're a servant of a living God, and you ought to humble yourself at the foot of the cross. Amen. That means you act different, live different, walk different. Amen. You're just different because you're a child of the king. You're not of the world. You don't try to stay up with the fads of the world. I just don't know why people are so bound to go by the peer pressure of this world. From Folks, we need to be like Jesus and please him. And those words, he became poor. He disrobed himself of glory, covered himself with the flesh of humanity. He became poor in every sense of the world. Word, he became poor. It'd be like somebody that wanted to reach some AIDS victims. They go to an AIDS hospital and they admit themselves and take on that disease so they could communicate to those people that are dying. Jesus came and became sin for you who knew no sin, that you could be set free. Folks, he's poor. he was poor at his birth. The home to which he was born was the poorest of Galilee. They offered turtle doves. They couldn't even afford a lamb. I mean, Joseph was not a finished carpenter. He was just a carpenter in a shop. And folks, he came into this world. He didn't have the best room in the inn. He didn't have a cradle of gold. He didn't have a pillow of feather or down to rest his head. But there was no room left in the inn. And they were legislated out the door, so to speak, and had to go around back to the stable. And he was born in a manger. And some people say, oh, that was, that's such a beautiful little manger scene, a little nativity scene. I was talking to one of my friends, Justin Gasworth, having a live nativity scene. I said, aren't you going to go to the banquet at the Macedonia World Baptist? You're on the executive board now, son. You've got to go with us. He said, no, I've got to find a camel, and I'm, I'm, up, to, I'm up to my elbows in manure. <laughs> in other words, he was having a rough time with that nativity scene. Amen. Don't quote that. But folks, there's no room left in the end. They go, and he's, he's born in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's a feed trough. It's a stinking stable. And folks, there he is. The history of grace began in a humble oriental manger behind a crowded inn because there was no room for him. He was poor in his birth. 
And secondly, let me just add, he was poor in his life. That verse says, and he became poor. He chose to be poor. He chose to give up the splendor and glory of heaven. And he came to this earth. Uh, by the grace of God, he came to us. And wrapped himself up, not in a silver or red or green paper, but he wrapped himself up in humanity. In us. Emmanuel. He's pouring his life. I see him. The one whose hands had fashioned the stars working in a little humble carpenter shop. I see him, the one who dug the springs of, of the great ocean in eternity. He sits on the brink of Jacob's well and he looks at the woman and says, to illustrate that she needed to be saved, give me to drink. I see him, the one who in eternity was not bound by space or time, walking not, not riding a horse or a camel, but walking with tired, aching feet. How many can identify with that, you Walmart shoppers? And he was on the flinty paths of Palestine, going from one place to another to be a blessing. I see him who was waited on by the angels. There was no place for him to lay his head. Foxes have holes in and uh, birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head, he said. And I see him. He became poor. The one that was waited on by angels in eternity, now washing feet, John chapter 13, as a humble servant, proving that humility is the way we ought to serve God. He became poor, and all his disciples were poor. When they went the they couldn't even afford to pay tax, their taxes. And he said, go fish and you'll find a coin in a fish's mouth. Folks, he was, they were, he was poor in his birth, he was poor in his life, and yes, he was even poor in his death. He stood on trial. He couldn't afford a lawyer, and he didn't have a preacher. I've stood with many people before a judge. Many people. And I tell you, it's scary just standing with somebody, much less being stood before somebody. But Jesus had no one. He had no lawyer. His people turned his, their backs on him. His disciples were hiding during the trial. And though he was the lion of the tribe of Judah, he became the lamb that was slaughtered. He was crucified, crucified between two lowly thieves. When he died, he was buried in a barred tomb. And only two friends showed up. One of them was Nicodemus, the other one was Joseph Arthema. Another kind of poverty he knew of was not just physical poverty, but in the garden he sweat as it was great drops of blood in agony. As his disciples slept. Sounds, reminds me of Sunday morning for some of you. As his disciples took a nap. You know, you're getting old when you come home from a shopping spree. And I told Emily, I said, boy, that shopping wore me out. Papa's got to take a nap. She looked at me and said, Papa, you're too young to take a nap. I said, I know I'm young, but I'm still taking a nap. Amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. He had no one to stand with him. He had no one to bury him. And they took him to a lonely tomb. The kind of poverty also that he experienced was on the cross of Calvary. When God could not look upon his son, 
could not look upon sin, and the clouds, the sun refused to shine, and there was an eclipse of the sun in the middle of the day. I wonder if it tore up America like the last one we had, amen? And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was spiritual poverty. He felt cut off from God. You know, the Bible tells us that he volunteered for it. Turn back to a book that was written 713 years B.C., Isaiah chapter 53, one of my favorite chapters in the Word of God. But I want you to look at um, Isaiah chapter 53, and I want you to look at verse 3 and 4, please. Follow me in the Word of God, please. Check me out. Never take for granted I'm preaching straight from the Word of God. Check me out. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, it says, He is a despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he hid as if it were his face is from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He submitted to what God wanted. And then third of all, Jesus became poor that we might be rich. Look at the verse. For we know the grace of God, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He is rich, yes, He was rich in every way, yet for His sakes He became poor, poor in His birth, poor in His life, and poor in His death, poor in His burial. But He wasn't poor when Jesus raised Him up from the dead, praise God, and when He ascended to the right hand of God. But listen, he became poor for you voluntarily. He willingly submitted his life to God's will. But look at the last half of it. It says, that ye, it says, no, excuse me. It says that through, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, I want you to underline that, for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. This is why God came. This is why he chose to be poor. That's what the Bible says. This is why he gave up the splendor and glory of heaven. We see the measure of grace in this humility. His great poverty, most definitely physically, but most indeed spiritually, were the purpose of introducing to you the riches of heaven. He emptied himself in order for you to be filled with his spirit. He gave up all that you might receive all. He became friendless that you might have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, Jesus Christ. He walked a lonely path that you'd never be alone again. It was His will that all men should follow Him and have all men forsook Him that you might have fellowship with Him. He walked by Golgotha's trail in order for you to tread the streets of go. He wore a purple mockery of a robe. As they beat him to a pulp, and the blood probably dried that robe to his skin, and they ripped it off. And they took the rod and they beat those four, four to five inch thorns that was prevalent in that area of the, of the world, and drove them into his skull and spit in his face and plucked his beard. For you to pay the price of sin. And they put that purple robe on him that you could be clothed with a robe of righteousness. 
He became poor that you might be rich. He suffered that you might reign. He entered into death that you could enter into life eternal. He laid in the grave that you might be resurrected from it. He that knew no sin became sin for you. The deepest meaning and the most amazing demonstration of God's grace is found in three words in this verse. For your sakes. For your sakes. This is the heart of the gift of Christmas. For your sake. It was for your sake He came to this earth. Born in a lowly manger. And as a choir so beautifully sung, Brother Randy, thank you for that song. He was born to die. And He died that we might live. Oh, folks, listen. Christmas is truly an amazing expression of God's love. It's not a pagan holiday. Listen to me now. Pay attention. It's a place that we can look back to that God came to us when we could not come to Him. It's He that ruled over all and was over all, (coughs) gave it all up. was born in a lowly manger. We might be rich. The book of Ephesians, the theme is rich. To be rich. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says this. I want you to get these four verses and we'll close. It says in Ephesians 1 7, In whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace. We're rich because of His grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of His glory of His inheritance in His saints. We're rich. It's glorious to be saved. You might not get what you want for Christmas, all you little spoiled children. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved, you've got a whole lot more than you deserve. Amen. Amen. And so have I. Thank God. I can never lose it. It's guaranteed for life. It's just what I need. It's just what I need. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. The Bible says this. It says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. What a gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. (coughs) The gift of the Holy Spirit living through you. You don't have to live the Christian life in your own strength. Then I see Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. It says, But God who was rich in mercy for His great love wherein He loved us. First three verses talk about walking according to the course of this world. Spirit of disobedience. Children of disobedience. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. I mean, just wicked life. But then it says, but God in verse 4. You know what that but God means? But God came to you when you couldn't come to Him. His mercy. See, we don't deserve the Christmas gift of Jesus. It's by His mercy that we're saved. It's by His grace and His mercy that we're saved. And uh, Paul sums it up in Ephesians 3, 8. Unto me, him the least 
than the least of all saints. Do you feel like that sometimes? Is this grace given? Amen. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Father, thank You. Thank You so much for the gift of Christmas. Thank You, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for coming to me as an 11 and a half year old member of a church. <clears throat> Didn't have anything to offer anyone. And God, you came to me. And Lord, I'd heard the Christmas story many times, but I never really received it until I got born again and got saved. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for coming to me when I couldn't come to you. Thank you, Lord, for giving up the splendor and glory of heaven. If that's not love, I don't know what is love. Becoming poor in your birth, your life, your death, even your burial. That through your poverty, for our sakes, we can become rich in your mercy, rich in your glory, rich in your grace, rich in your Holy Ghost and rich, that's so unsearchable and so indescribable that we can't even word it, much less explain it. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of yourself. And thank you, Lord, for taking my hell that I can share with you heaven. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But I gladly receive it. And I sure am wanting to enjoy it for the rest of my days and all eternity. All because you love me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much.